Well, forgettable performance, I would say, from Jordan Love last night. The Packers lose to the Raiders 13-7, to although they had a chance at the end, Perloff, because the Raiders elected to kick a 52-yard field goal rather than go for a fourth and one at the 42-yard line. They the, the field goal doinks off of the right upright. They end up giving the ball back to Jordan Love. This is a perfect opportunity. Monday night football, you're facing a not-great Raiders defense, although Max Crosby was playing out of his mind last night. A not-great Raiders defense on the whole. You've got a minute 56 left to go with one timeout, and you're at your own 42. I mean, this is a moment for Jordan Love. It ends with him throwing a regrettable pick in the end zone. Game over. And it was just another example of Jordan Love, despite the fact that he's got to sit behind Rodgers and learn for three years, he is just not ready to step into a big primetime performance. Here's the question, though. How much of it is Jordan Love? How much of it is Matt LaFleur, the head coach? How much of it is the lack of weapons, the sort of raw receiving core? I I, I didn't see Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs running wide open anywhere. How much of it that Aaron Jones wasn't there, so their screen game was affected? I just feel like the whole offense was janky. There was never there was never a play where Jordan Love went back and there was an easy pass to make it. It was always him holding on to the ball, trying to make a play. Yeah, he was totally he's quite raw. Yep. But you still see some talent there. See enough throws in the second half of games for some weird reason that you say, Okay, maybe there's something here. And the truth is I'm not sure we were talking about the Raiders tanking. Packers aren't going to tank, so I'm not yeah. sure what option. They have to try to build around Jordan Love right now. Listen, Jair Alexander after the game said, we just can't allow the other team to score touchdowns. Like, that's how little the margin for error is because the offense is just not able to score. Third straight game where they score three points or fewer in the first half. They put themselves in some holes. This one not as bad. It was only 10-3 at the half. They scored 10 points in the third quarter but just could never keep it going. And quite frankly, that one touchdown drive that they went on, they gave it to A.J. Dillon, I believe, five, six yeah. carries out of nine plays, and at one point it was five straight. So, I, you know, the run game was working. They, you know, the less that Jordan Love was doing, well, I guess right, the but better. Then they blew up a great red zone opportunity where Jordan Love led them right down the field, had a big pass to Watson, and they ran A.J. Dillon the line two times, yep. third and seven, and they, they bombed it. LaFleur's play calling seems a little bit off to me. It's totally. almost as if... He doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback who can <laughs> toss it anywhere around the field. That's crazy. But I do. I, I I'm still fascinated by Jordan Love's ability, his physical ability. He makes sometimes he's rolling against his body and he will throw a spiral fifty yards down the field. I don't love the receiving core. I think the Packers are similar to the Raiders. They're going to end up in that six to eight win area, which is yeah. I don't know what it is, Maggie. I'm not sure where they're going with this. You know, Aaron Rodgers had one kind of bad year when he took over for Brett Favre. Maybe Jordan Love takes the next step. I, I think people are very, very eager to say this guy's a bust or this guy's not good because I, I, it's out there. There are a lot of people on Twitter last night saying, oh, three interceptions, he's not going to make it. But I remember the same things were said about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. It yeah. takes time for young quarterbacks to learn how to play this game, and we're less patient than ever. We are, but that's also because Jordan Love's not a rookie. It might be his first season, but he's not a rookie, so you kind of expect, not that he's going to step in, it's going to be perfect handing the torch from one Hall of Famer to Jordan Love, but you kind of expect it's going to look a little different. Like, for example, you have the Raiders, and again, Max Crosby was excellent last night, and he was disruptive at the line. But you have their two starting defensive backs are out for the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And the Green Bay Packers had one catch of over 10 yards. 
Like it was that big seventy-seven yard throw and catch yeah. to um to Watson to Watson. And besides that, like they weren't even really able to do much downfield. And again, I know Crosby was disruptive, but you would have thought you could take advantage of a banged up secondary for the Raiders, and they couldn't. Well, the Raiders' strength though was safety. That's where they put all their money, and those guys were there, and they were killing them. And it didn't matter. Max Crosby was all over the field the entire game. I don't think that. Did you watch that game and say Jordan Love had any clean pockets at all? No, he didn't. But at the same time, I feel like he has not been like the positive that I was expecting. And yes, he does have flashes where you see the talent. But I can say that about literally every quarterback in the NFL. Do you see even any the, talent in Jimmy G last night? Well, even the but Jimmy <laughs> G, like you know, we know what he is. Even like the worst quarterbacks that we think of in the league, like a Justin Fields mm-hmm. or a Zach Wilson, like they can make good throws every now and then. There's a reason why they're even at this level. Now, I know Jordan Love's not a rookie, but he's 24. This is the first time he's played sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Is, what, what difference does it make? I mean, you do get into games a little bit. Like he's had a little game action and you learn from Rodgers. Like this, yeah, this but is the model for Green Bay. Honestly, I, I think we're moving too fast here on Jordan Love. I, Jalen Hurts wasn't. He was in his second year, yeah. and he was sort of struggling a little bit. And a lot of people are like, "Ooh, the Eagles should get another quarterback." A lot of people. They made the playoffs. They were nine and eight. Yep. They were just kind of a middling team, and then he exploded the next season. So I think you get, you have to look at some of these young quarterbacks and say it might be there. Not Zach Wilson, but most. Yeah, I, I think that we're moving on too quickly from Jordan Love in our mind because we see some guys who Jordan Love, Justin Fields, all these guys. They're like, uh, two years in, he's not going to make it. But quarterbacks do develop. Listen, I'm not moving on from him. I'm just saying at this point, he's not ready for to to like lift the Packers. And maybe that yeah, was too much. Maybe true. that was way too much of an expectation to put on him. But he's not like a net positive to me right now. The defense does whatever they can do. They're trying. They're hanging in these games. But love is not the rising tide. Again, you had a perfect opportunity under two minutes with a timeout of your own forty-two. Oh my God. There was no way they were. Scoring there, they they hadn't done anything all night. Yeah, that's true. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. All right, let's get to our Cowboys quickie for today. Still digesting what was a shellacking by the Forty Niners. Rough one. But not according to Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys says not a very big gap between us and the 49ers, actually. I don't think they really are higher level than us. Um, I think we're the same caliber playoff team, um, if not the same talent standard as them. Um, I just feel like we need to really reconsider some things, get together, and uh, fix fix some things. I feel like it was a few plays away. The score don't really... Uh, shape what really happened out there. Yikes. That's a cowboy quickie. I think it's... Okay. Now, I don't agree with that necessarily, but I do think that's what you want to hear from your defensive leader. And uh, he's a very confident player, and I think he's trying to will this into an existence that they're close. <laughs> he's manifesting it. I will give him, if that game is in Dallas, which will never happen in the playoffs because the Niners are clearly getting home field, yes. totally different result. I think that was on grass where Micah Parsons cannot get his thing going. I thought all the players want to play on grass. Yeah, except that, you know, the Cowboys, I think there's some numbers. Their defense is not quite as, you know, they're a speed defense. I don't think they're quite as effective. And they have lately have not been a great road team. So I think that was, they went into a hornet's nest on Sunday night. I think the Niners were fired up for that game. 
Everything was bad. I, I, I actually agree with Parsons, believe it or not, oh, that they're closer than 42-10. I mean, here's the thing. In the first yeah. half, maybe you could say there were a couple plays here and there. I'll agree with that. But then in the third quarter, yeah. the 49ers put this thing away. Here's what he's right about. Yeah. Uh, he feels like we're the same team. You know, that's what he said, right? Like, I feel like we're the same we're the same Cowboys team that, that we've always been. It's like, yeah, exactly. This is going to be a team that beats up on bad teams in the regular season and a team that is going to flame out in the playoffs. So yeah. for that, that is right on. They are the same team. To say they have the same talent as the 49ers, that's just false. Well, I think they're going to play in the playoffs, and it's going to be 20-13. to 13. I, I agree with Parsons. I think they're going to have another close playoff game, which Dak Prescott is going to blow at the end. <laughs> <laughs> because the Cowboys are exactly the same team. They're going to be 12-5 and five or something like that again, and they're yeah. going to make the playoffs, and they're going to flame out. I'll bet you they see the Niners again, and I'll bet you the game is closer. I mean, they've had they've played two playoff games that the score actually has been close, but the Cowboys have not been able to score nearly enough to hang. Now, the one thing is, by the time we get to the end of the season, if they play again, how many San Francisco yeah. players could be injured at that point? I'm not on wood for them. I'm not rooting for it, but that always seems to happen to the 49ers. It might not matter this year with the 49ers. They're so good. They're so stacked. They have so much depth. Even they probably could even stand to lose a couple starters and still be good. No, absolutely. If I could do my Super Bowl pick again. Yeah, me too. I mean, is there anybody out there who doesn't want to pick the Niners in the NFC? I I think the Eagles, my Eagles look great 5-0. and They're totally fine. But the Niners feel Different like one level. of those historic teams. When you feel like you're going to see an NFL film special on the 2023 <laughs> 49ers, you yeah. don't have seven Hall of Famers and 14 Pro Bowlers and not get to the Super Bowl. That, that's a great question, though. Would injuries derail this team? And I, I'm starting to think the same thing you are. There's so much depth here. They seem like they can go three deep at any spot. Yeah, I guess the only one would be Purdy. And that that doesn't make up the MVP. I've got to stand in my corner here that he's playing great. He definitely is a very good quarterback, maybe top 10 quarterback. But if they lose Purdy, I don't know if they'd be able to overcome that. You know, Purdy or was McCaffrey. third string coming into last season, and they yeah. made the NFC title game. So I, I know you think Sam Darnold's terrible because of the Jets, but they've yeah. proven they can win with backup and, and quarterback. The, the only the only golden person there is Nick Bosa. When Nick Bosa goes down, their win percentage falls apart. Mm. Uh, remember the the year the really bad year they had was when Bosa got hurt in week one or two. Yeah, I think it's week two. So I, I don't even know if right now I think they could survive even without Nick Bosa. They, how they add Randy Gregory, who wasn't even trying in Denver, watch him be great for the Niners too. I think that they are killers on defense. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. You're welcome to weigh in. A lot on the table there for you. Packers, Raiders last night. Thought the Raiders win. Didn't really feel that great. Still a team with not a lot of direction. Still a team that's going to find itself in this horrible, mediocre spot where you're probably not bad enough to get a great quarterback in the draft and you're not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. You're saying a 17-13 win over the Green Bay Packers <laughs> wasn't inspiring to you? I you think, know, I've seen bet I've seen better. I think their defense will can compete with bad offenses. I think they're going to find a way to win a bunch of games, eight or nine. If it, I don't believe in Josh McDaniels at all, and it's been a couple things here. Oh I mean, yeah, him saying that they're down by two scores when they were only down by eight. What was that last week? Kicking the field goal this this week. I mean, attempting the field goal rather. Yeah, rather than going for it on a fourth and one. He had a big screw up against the Steelers in the final two minutes. His first of all. My problem is not the game management, which is not good. It's just the fact the offense, he's supposed to be an offensive genius to the, you know, like Sean McVay or something. That offense never looks like it's flying around at all. And it looks like they're grinding out every yard.
Again, 855-212-4CBS. That's how you can get in touch with the show. Uh, just to clean up something from the last hour, it looks like Jay in Nashville, who called us, who was putting his pants on in the parking lot of his work, um, he was wearing his pajamas to work. So there we go. Uh, that doesn't totally... Why didn't he... Okay, whatever. You know what? <laughs> Is that a thing? Wearing your pajamas so you yeah. don't get dressed at home? Great question, I think question, it's a life Giselle. hack, actually. It's like, you know, wake up, save time. Go right in the pajamas. But I've heard that you told me this, actually, and I guess my husband kind of does this, too. Like, my husband doesn't wear PJs, you know? He wears, like, boxer shorts and a T-shirt to bed. I don't know a lot of guys who have full-on pajamas. Not who are over three years yeah, old. Yeah, well, mine's done. <laughs> with, like, fire trucks on it and I stuff. I got ALF pajamas. Velotti, <laughs> <laughs> we always knew it. I guess yeah. my biggest question for Jay would be, then, isn't it harder to get dressed in the car than at yeah. home when you're exhausted and, uh, I don't know, yeah, in the, the pitch black? Yeah. It's a great question because you're going to have to take the time to change it at some point anyway. It is hard to change in the car. Anyone who's had to do it, you know, especially for women, it's a little harder because like the top half is a little tougher because you don't want to flash everybody, but it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, underrated. Does it happen a lot to you guys? Where you have find yourself changing in the car? No, I can't even remember the last time I did that. I try to avoid that situation, <laughs> but yeah. I, apparently I'm doing it wrong. But, by the way, you try to avoid it. It's not hard to avoid. I mean, <laughs> when you have a house. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, I, thought, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I went through a big phase of having to change in the car when it was like a soccer practice, tennis practice. You know, you're getting shuttled all around to different activities. It was more like a, like a childhood thing. When you were 16? Yeah, something like that. Okay. But now I can't imagine the scenario where Maggie Gray... Well, say you go to work and you're wearing medium clothes and you have a formal event at night. Can't you just change in the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> bathroom, we got an office here. It's a couple different nights. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Listen. God bless Listen, Jay. Jay's going to work and he, he's a loyal listener He's a hard worker and if he has to change in the car to do his job, that's great. We have no problem with that. 855-212-4CBS. Of course, you can always tweet the show as well at Maggie and Pearl. So much to do, including the numbers behind one quarterback's awful start. Even worse than you might imagine. 855-212-4CBS. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff straight ahead. We're back here on Maggie and Perloff. It's early, but there's NFL breaking news. What do you got, Maggie? According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, the Vikings plan to place wide receiver Justin Jefferson on injured reserve because of that hamstring injury that he suffered in Sunday's loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the exact timeline is TBD, according to this report, based on how he responds to treatment. But he's going to be out at least four games, obviously, because he'll be on IR. The next four games for Minnesota at Chicago, home for the 49ers, at Green Bay, at Atlanta. Um Ooh, it's going to be hard to tank for those games. <laughs> that's going to take some real schedule. effort by the Vikings to get really bad here. Yeah, so that's a shame because obviously we love watching Justin Jefferson, but this entire season for Minnesota so far, Proloff, has been like one big regression to the mean. You know, one yeah. big regression. <laughs> yeah. Like last year, they were winning all these one-score games, and how were they winning these games and this incredible record they had in Kirk Cousins' numbers and blah, blah, blah. And then they got smoked by the Giants in the playoffs. And I don't even know if the Giants are a good team because then they get turn around and get smoked by your Philadelphia Eagles in the next round of the playoffs. So there's a lot up in the air here. A couple more things. Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal. So there's a major question marks at who's going to be the quarterback moving forward. And don't forget, bringing it all back to Justin Jefferson, he did not get a long-term deal done with the Vikings in the offseason when he was eligible for one 
And I think part of the reason was, I think he wants to know who's going to mm. be throwing me passes in the future. Yeah, so they have an opportunity. I don't think anyone thinks Cousins is going to be back next year. That's sort of been the thing. Even before the season started, the, the expectations were really low on this team. Like, strangely low for a 13-4 and four team. We all knew <laughs> that that luck could not last. Yeah. So, now the question is, you know, they have Kevin O'Connell. Two years. Last year, got a little bit of fool's gold with 13-4. and four. What kind of... He's a quarterback guru. He's former NFL quarterback, Sean McVay, acolyte. What kind of quarterback do you, do you build around? I hope it's not Cousins. I like Kirk Cousins a lot, but I feel like they've hit the ceiling of where they can go with Kirk Cousins. I think that's Definitely. obvious. Yeah. So do you bring in a veteran, or do you hope that you're bad enough to get a get a quarterback? And if you're Justin Jefferson, do you want to sit around and wait for a young quarterback to develop? See, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you have a talent like Jefferson, and I know he's young in his career, right? So in theory, he could grow with a young quarterback, and, and that's it's not like their timelines are so wildly different, but... You know, it's not like he's Devontae Adams, who's 30 years old, who wants to win right away. Jefferson's still young, but... Well, I will tell you one thing, and I got in big trouble for this take. He's not going to find a more friendly quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins churns up yards for wide receivers. The dude threw for 5,000 yards in Washington. That's how uh, Kirk Cousins throws a very, very catchable pass. He just doesn't win a lot of games. So I don't know. Jefferson might think the grass is always greener. I think he's at a good spot. He's an indoor stadium. He's the main target. He's great chemistry with Cousins. But they're not winning football games. So what do you want as a receiver? Do you want a lot of yards, or do you want to contend for a Super Bowl? Well, I'm sure if we asked him, he would say win. Um, what does he really want? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that there's an opportunity to do, to do both. Um, I don't know if it's Cousins. Yes, he throws a very catchable ball. But think about it. In Washington, that was like the Shanahan offense, right? When he was yeah. there, was Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan together. And now he's in a very quarterback-friendly yeah, scheme with O'Connell. O'Connell was there, too. He was in yeah, Washington. Can, it, can yeah. it just be the scheme? Like, does it have to necessarily be the way Kirk Cousins is uh, throwing a football? It seems, I, like, I don't know. it seems like Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. Well, I mean, yes, but how do you know, say they draft Michael Penix or Bo Nix, do we know that those guys are going to instantly pick up that scheme? and you be never able never know with rookie quarterbacks. It's unlikely that they're going to be able to churn out 1,900 yards for Justin Jefferson. I mean, look, last night, Devontae Adams is still arguably the best receiver in the league. When Jimmy G's playing terrible, Devontae Adams is not going to rack up a lot of yards. So I think wide receiver is very quarterback dependent. So if Justin Jefferson's looking at his future, you know, where does he want to go? Obviously, it'd be great to be in Miami, but if you're in Miami, then all of a sudden you're part of a much bigger wide receiver core. I- I'm not sure what he does here. All I do know for sure, the Vikings are going nowhere. They, they-, they need to rebuild. They need to start over. Well, you're looking at the bottom of the barrel teams if you're talking about tanking and trying to start over with a high draft pick. Again, never certain, but you're going to be battling it out with the New England Patriots, who are also 1-4, and four, the Denver Broncos, who are 1-4 and four and may want to move on from Russell Wilson. You've got the New York Giants suddenly who are in the mix here. You've got Minnesota, of course. Carolina Panthers are 0-5, but they don't have their first-round pick because they traded that to the Bears. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals at one and four. So it is a race to the bottom here. Yeah. These teams are going to get aggressive, I think, about getting that top pick. Yeah, it's really hard. The funny thing, I was thinking about this last night, the irony, the Texans blew it by not getting the top pick. And what's their consolation prize? CJ Stroud. Well, maybe they would have taken Stroud, though, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, like, the draft fell out. I don't think anyone really had C.J. Stroud, number one. Well, I mean, I think there were a lot of people, Maybe I was they one were. of them, who were concerned about Bryce Young. Well, regardless, they, everyone was upset because they blew their tank right. with a late 
uh, late season win, and it worked out great. So you never know how it's going to work out. To me, the thing about this tanking is it's really Caleb Williams is so far. I love all these other quarterbacks. They're great, but do you tank for a Drake May? No. Do you tra- tank for a, anybody else besides Caleb Williams? So if you're not going to get that one, it's a very dangerous game to tank. <laughs> well, it's for desperate people. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous, and it's when your team is super desperate. And, and I you think you re- could put the Vikings kind of on the cusp of super desperate here. You, you need a really secure owner who doesn't – like Mark Davis is not tanking with the Raiders. He needs to keep winning and be competitive. Yep. You need a secure owner, a secure GM, and a coach who thinks he has something in it. Like that was a messed up situation in Houston because what's the point of tanking if you're going to get fired? Yeah, right, right. Why would you tank? I, I don't think the Vikings tank. Well, that screams who's got all that security out of these – you know, teams that are at the bottom. You would have argued maybe Bill Belichick, but now I'm not so sure that That's Belichick is has that type of security that they could tank the season and they'd let Bill sort of take over with a young Caleb Williams. That feels like an accidental tank. Like they want to win. <laughs> they, they just have no yeah, talent. I know. 855-212-4CBS. So to bring it back around, Justin Jefferson is going to be placed on the IR according to Tom Pelissero. You know, there are a lot of teams who wouldn't mind a Justin Jefferson. Is that the most obvious statement ever? Yes, Can you imagine? Justin Jefferson, get, Devontae Adams. Get Justin Jefferson to Baltimore, people. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different people who would want Jefferson, which yeah. it might be attractive to Minnesota. Do you want two first-round picks? Ooh, no. You're never going to be able to draft a guy like Justin Jefferson. You send Justin Jefferson to a contender, it's going to be the 28th pick. I know, but the, the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs and – you would have thought, oh, are you going to get a next Stephon Diggs? And they got Justin Jefferson. True. Maybe you can get the next Justin Jefferson in the draft. That's uh, that's a good point. Uh, I, yeah, Justin Jefferson never should have fallen to 23. That was a mistake. Well, thank your Eagles. You know who needs a Jaylen Justin Rager. Jefferson? By the way, I know, we'll get to the update in a second. Jordan Love needs yes. A.J. Brown, or they need to bring in a Stephon Diggs. You're so right He needs that. a go-to wide receiver. He's got nobody, now he trusts. Yeah, I think a lot of these young quarterbacks would be much better if they had Devontae Adams or Justin Jefferson. I only say that because maybe they're on the trade market. Maybe you have a young quarterback and you sell the house. But you can't trade a Viking to a, a Packer like that, no. can you? No. no, but you look at, the, I mean, oh, we're the Bears. The Bears have been searching. Well, maybe DJ Moore is that guy. But look at DJ Moore with Justin Fields. Yep. I I think you look at these young quarterbacks, and you have to consider who are their receivers because Jordan Love doesn't have any. That is true. 855-2124-CBS. You're welcome to weigh in on Justin Jefferson. We say good morning to Andrew Bogish. Uh, good morning again. Uh, I think this is more about trading Kirk Cousins now, possibly, than trading okay. Justin Jefferson. So think about inquire it. if you're keen on that. Hmm. So here's the thing, though. Who wants Cousins now? The he, Jets should want Kirk Cousins. They're coming off a win, though, with Zach Wilson. I understand Ooh. that, but they should. And I defended Zach Wilson. They should want Kirk Cousins. Do you think he learns? He's not from that kind of offense. I don't care. They, they, they're good enough. They need something better than Zach Wilson. Previous guys like Colt McCoy to me were not better than Zach Wilson. Kirk Cousins is better than Zach Wilson. And then he leaves, and then it's done. And then he walks away, and Aaron Rodgers is back next year, and away they go. I feel like Kirk Cousins needs all the pieces around him to be pretty good, and he needs to know the system, be really comfortable. I don't feel like there's a lot of margin for error. So the Jets' offensive line is not good. And Elijah Vera Tucker out for the year. Yeah, I think that Kirk Cousins would be a sitting duck back there. I, honestly, I don't think it would go great with Kirk Cousins. That's not my match. But, yeah, I think I think it's it's not perfect, but he's got Garrett Wilson, he's got a developing, healthy Brees Hall, and he's got that defense, and he's running out of time to win important football games, yeah. or at least be back in important football games, and then maybe beat Kirk Cousins and not win them. <laughs> but he's a, there are dead men walking in Minnesota, especially I mean, for a month without Justin Jefferson. 
you're definitely right. I mean, he's definitely better than Zach Wilson, for sure. As a quarterback, for sure. It's just, I always thought if they were going to go the Cousins route, it would have had to have been a little bit earlier in the season because you have to give them maybe a couple weeks to learn the offense. Yeah, I mean, do we know how similar? They might be completely different offenses, use completely different terminology. Although Baker Mayfield learned the offense on a plane and then beat the Raiders. They won one game, right. And he was, that didn't really work. The other thing, too, I mean, Kirk Cousins as as a style of quarterback for the Jets, I just don't see it. Because Kirk Cousins wants to fling it all over the field. Like, the Jets need to hand the ball off more. Just go Brees Hall, Brees Hall, Brees Hall. But they were going to fling it with Aaron Rodgers, and he's not Aaron Rodgers. But if he's going to throw they wanted to throw it. They were going to throw it, so they're prepared to throw it. They just right now don't have a guy that can throw it as well as the previous guy. I mean, Zach Wilson can throw the ball a long way. To other players. People. Yeah, <laughs> just sails not into the where first he row. wants to go right. necessarily. <laughs> uh, the headlines, by the way, is sponsored by Northern Tool and Equipment. Get the tools you need from the brands you trust. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. And just to recap that breaking news from the NFL, uh, the Vikings now expected to place Justin Jefferson on IR. That hamstring injury from Sunday, he'll miss at least four games, which will be the first four games he has missed in his career. Jefferson has played 92% of snaps since becoming a starter in week three of the 2020 season. No good news either in Buffalo. Linebacker Matt Milano, D-tackle Daquan Jones, both need surgery for Sunday's injuries in London and are out indefinitely. And the Colts have ruled out Anthony Richardson for Sunday's game in Jacksonville. At least the rookie QB still getting extra opinions on Sunday's shoulder injury. Wait, sorry, can I just back up on one second for the Bills? I just I need everyone to be honest with me at this moment. Mm-hmm. Like you're my friends here in this room. I'm these are devastating injuries. Tredavious White's out for the year, Matt Milano's out for the year, Daquan Jones out for the year. Who knows if Von Miller's gonna be able to stay healthy? Like, do the Bills still have a chance? I'm I've never heard of a team losing this many starters on defense and still actually being a Super Bowl contender. You I need you guys to be honest with me. Well, let me ask you a question. Tredavious White, did they really plan on him being there? Yes. Because, two years removed from an ACL. Yes. Yeah, but I, I had heard Leslie Frazier was telling us that it was really a long road back. It for was him. a long road back. So I don't, and he's a cornerback who's on the second half of his twenties. Yeah, he I was don't playing think, well though. But they weren't really building around. I mean, they must have known when they were game planning that there was going to be some vulnerability there. He was definitely their number one corner. So I don't know. But I mean, they have they have to have some depth there. No, no, no the other they guys hurt too. Christian Benford's yeah. out short term. Well, who played there last year? Uh, opposite him? Well, when, when White like was Dane out. Jackson. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, and Hamlin, right? Was well, DeMar safety. was the backup safety. Yeah. Uh, and what's the deal with Poyer? Is he ever going to play again? Yeah, he played, <laughs> he played in uh, Jackson. He played against the Jacks. Oh, I thought he was hurt. No. The previous but, game he was out. Yeah. Oh, the pre- yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, so no, I, tell I, me in the chat, no. But the other thing, They're too, telling is me they have as much a chance as Dallas. Thank you, Thrifty, in mm. the chat, youtube.com slash CBS. The other question, why would you count on Von Miller? Like, you must have known that, Maggie. Okay, you, you pay him $50 million. I figure you don't bring him back maybe until, like, December, and then he's fresh and you ready did for say, a run. Full credit. Maggie said, put Von Miller in bubble wrap until the second half of the season. Don't need him now. Don't play him in London. Dumb. So silly. Okay. But he survived that, right? So now you do, and now you do need him. I mean, he couldn't finish the game, but sure. <laughs> Wait, what's the deal with Von Miller? He's He's okay. Apparently I mean, he, he, he is okay. He was again. just on a pitch count. Yeah. They didn't have him into the end of the game. You know, when the game's on the line. Oh, I thought he got hurt. That's what I thought that something might have happened. He had a setback, but it turns out it was a pitch count. Okay. Everyone be honest with me. Go around the room. Yes, no. Yes. You're no. being kind. No. I, think so. 
I mean, by definition, they have a chance. Yes. That's kind of not a good one. Thank you, semantics. No, no, no. They, they forget all that defense. Their problem is they have no run game and nothing has changed. All right, back to the update. Uh, it didn't really feel like the Packers or the Raiders wanted to win Monday Night Football. Vegas made that dumb decision to kick a 52-yard field goal on fourth and one for a late seven-point lead. They missed it, giving Green Bay a chance to steal the W with a touchdown. Taylor to the right of Love. Two receivers each way. Shotgun snap. Three-step drop, eyeing the middle, pressure up the middle, Love, out of the pocket, throws downfield for the end zone, intercepted! Amik Robertson in the back corner, picks it off in front of Watson, and the Raiders' defense just seals the victory here in Vegas! That's Jason Horowitz on Raiders Radio, a 17-13 win, leaving both teams at 2-3. and three. Jordan Love picked off three times, that's five in his last two games. Bogus, they're showing that play on TV behind us. Christian Watson, 6'4". The guy who picked it was 5'10". Yeah. And Watson <laughs> yeah. just got manhandled by him. That dude has no idea how to play receiver. Tons of talent. Just does not know how to position himself for 50-50 balls. There was another deep ball. Love threw a beautiful one. Uh, Watson had a smaller guy on him, went right through his hands. I think the problem is also the receiving court, not Jordan, just Jordan Love. Give him an A.J. Brown. Just like Jalen Hurts got an A.J. Brown, and I think he's better. So Watson and Trey Lance, not really the best commercial right now for North Dakota State football in the pros. Or Carson Wentz. <laughs> and that too, I forgot about that. How's Easton Stick doing? I think Backing he, up Justin Herbert he's correctly? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you asked for this last hour. You asked this last hour. Should Bryce Harper be crushed for being too aggressive and getting doubled off first base to end last night's postseason thriller in Atlanta? Here's Harper. He made a good play. You know, I probably shouldn't have gone over second base, um, but, you know, made a decision, and, you know, I'll live with that. It was top nine in Atlanta. The Phillies had led 4-0 through 5.5. We're now down 5-4 after Austin Riley's two-run homer bottom aid. Nick Castellanos drilled the ball to the right center field fence where Michael Harris made a leaping catch. Riley then scooped up Harris's errant throw in and got Harper at first by a whisker. And again, a playoff game had never ended before with a double play involving an outfielder. It all began with Harris. I knew off the bat it was going to be... Uh, close to the fence, so I knew once I went back, I wasn't I wasn't stopping. I was going to do anything I could to, to get a glove on it. So, I wouldn't crush Bryce Harper, but he clearly made a mistake. Definitely and the, made a and mistake. the game should have still been going for one more batter. Because as good as the catch was for Harris, he was tracking it the entire time. Yeah. It was not a ball in the gap where he came out of nowhere, made yeah. a ridiculous play. It was a 50-50 ball, in my mind, in the air, where Harper's got to stop at second yeah. base and then go back safely. Honestly, I didn't even think the Harris play was that sensational. It what? wasn't like he robbed a home run. He honestly, he it probably... It was basically so there. He Jeez, Pearl, he are made you not entertained? He made it look a little dramatic. I'm like, he could have run under it and this. stood there. Yeah. What? Wait, wait, wait. You don't, guys are crazy. Don't no, no. be that guy. He didn't put his glove <laughs> over the fence. I mean, honestly, it was... The ball wouldn't have even barely hit the fence. So, I... <laughs> Not yeah, wrong. I kind of agree with you here. He was never at full speed. It was he had it he was tracking it the entire time. It was not gonna leave the yard. It was a very good catch. And the double play makes it a more significant play for ending the game. But there have been far better individual efforts to okay, make a guys, catch in a playoff. Time game. and place though. Yeah, I mean I know, you're that's trying what you said. to it's like the ninth inning in the playoffs. You're like trying to keep your, you have a historic season. You're trying to keep yourself in it. By the way, after Castellanos, who hit that ball that got caught, right? 
isn't it Stott who's up next? No, last night it would have been, I think, our boy Jacob Tyler. Oh, was it Real Muto next? I thought it was Castellanos, and then it was Stott in the lineup. This is a guy who already crushed a grand slam. Like, Bryce Harper can't make that mistake. Yeah, I think Could it was... Could have won the game on the next on the next swing. I think last night they went, they flipped it against Freed. It was yeah. Boehm, Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, Stott. Okay, and then that's the not what I'm seeing here in the box score, but okay. Either way, or Real Muto, you're paying a gajillion dollars. Give him a crack. My, my thing is you can't give up outs in the ninth inning when you're trailing, especially when you're up one nothing on the road. Yeah, you know it. Pete knows it. Every Little League coach in America knows it. And Bogus, you're holding it against him that he was tracking it the whole time. And that <laughs> no, 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 no. He got a great jump on the ball. I'm not holding it against him. I'm just saying that. In my also in saying why Harper made a mistake, it was a ball that Harris was lining up the entire was tracking well the entire time, so it was not a play where like oh my god how did he how did he get there to catch it? He was on it the from contact. Yeah. He made a very good play, but because he made a good play and reading his body language is another reason why Harper should not have been so aggressive, yeah, right. being a third of the way around second base. It's a rough crowd, man. I That's know. a sensational play. I, I don't, thought so. I mean, I can't get there, man. By the way, the real problem: Rob Thompson should have pulled Zach Wheeler. Even I knew that, and I don't even follow that closely. The other thing. The home plate umpire, go to computers, please. They killed the Phillies all night long. What's Wait, it? well, hold on. A I, yeah. Go ahead, finish your point. Uh, and the third thing, I forget what the third thing is, but there's a, I have another big excuse for the Phillies. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they left too many guys on base. Yeah. That was a yeah, huge I mean, problem. And my bad, Maggie is right. It was Realmuto Castellanos into Stott, so Stott would have been next. Did Stott get spot. up with the base load earlier in the game and do nothing? Uh, I think Stott left some guys on. Everybody left guys on last night. It was, it was a bad game. Should have won, but it's not over because I think they're getting into the Braves pitching staff a lot, which is making me very encouraged. The home plate ump also called a a strike on Austin Riley. That was not a strike earlier in the game when he was up, I think, to tie the game maybe. So he wasn't helping anybody. I didn't see that pitch, so it doesn't count. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fair enough. I I thought, honestly, I I thought they were really having trouble with a consistent strike call last night, but that's yeah. pretty much everything. You want to know why? Because they're human beings, and human beings yeah. are never going to be perfect. Meanwhile, the computer, that's where you get perfection. Uh, it was 5-4, by the way. The Phillies Let the robots take over. Last night in Atlanta, that series <laughs> 1-1 going back to Philly. The Diamondbacks going back home with a 2-0 lead, a 4-2 win at Dodgers. I mean, he's slowing down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jump. He didn't need but, to jump at all. He just stopped his update because yeah. this this play is on, on the TV in our studio. He could have just run underneath it and catch it, but he got a little scared of the fence. Mm-hmm. It would hit the line, bounce right back in and play. Man, you guys are like shot heard around the world. You're like, well, I don't know. I mean, Bobby Thompson really got a good jump on it, so I don't think it was that great of a well, play. Listen, this is I, I hate Andrew Jones, best defensive center field I ever saw. Yeah. Never had diving plays because he ran under everything. Then Jim Edmonds would dive for everything because he was so slow he couldn't get to the ball. <laughs> so I, I think I think the art of looking spectacular in the outfield is a little deceiving. And this is this is not look at this. We're watching it again. Yeah, he's never even at full yeah, speed going. It wasn't back even on this that ball. hard to catch. He's, if he he oh. ran a hundred feet. Yeah, it was a great run to get it, but it would have been an error if he had missed it, right? No. No, they wouldn't have given him an error. No. But it would it but that's a ball he should have caught. I mean, there's no way that he has to get his glove on that ball. There's it's impossible. It didn't it wasn't like barely over the fence. He didn't jump the fence. 
Yeah, and it's hitting the bottom third. By the way, of the and I, I, earlier in the game, I defended Harper because he's my favorite player, and I don't can do no wrong. But now that you bring up that point, Bogus, I'm with you. Thanks. He should have. He should have come back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, he, you know, how Bryce Harper is always going to round third. Like the shortstop could have the ball, and he's going to go for home. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the worst? Getting thrown out at home plate, or doing what he did? I guess getting doing what he did. Doing yeah. what he did. Home plate, you got a shot. You can disrupt the play a little bit. I guess it depends on how f- much he was out at home plate, running now, through a stop sign out by 10 feet. I know you guys job. root against the Phillies because you don't want to see me come in and gloat about them. No, but we were you, rooting correct. against the Phillies long before we ever met you. But you yeah. are not going <laughs> to like it if this Braves team's advanced. You are not going to like to we see this like Braves team win another World Series. I'm right. telling everyone in this room right now, that's tough. Yeah, but it feels kind of inevitable. So I feel so I wouldn't mind it as much. It's really? like, oh, they were great all season. They've had this historic run. They're going to win. They just had a dominant year. Let's go Diamondbacks. Let's I go mean, anybody. here's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, what's the difference? The Dodgers are the same thing every year. They, yeah. I mean, how many wins behind the, it the Braves or the Dodgers? It doesn't bother me the Dodgers win. Yeah, because they don't. Uh, I, I think you need the underdog. <laughs> I want, okay, if, if the Phillies lose, I want the Diamondbacks all the way. I'm going to buy some you. Diamondbacks gear. I'm going to get so into it. Just also, too, because you have so much trouble saying their manager's name. I kind of enjoy that. No, it's because I do. Bogus is making fun of me. <laughs> Anybody but Philly and Atlanta. That's all that matters. Yeah. If there's a way for them to both lose in this round, that'd be super cool. And Houston. Yeah, you, what about now, Houston? No, nah, whatever. I, I can only muster enough angst for two teams. <laughs> and they're the ones closest to home. Uh, so the Diamondbacks win at Dodgers Stadium 4-2 for a 2-0 series lead. The Dodgers flirting again with an early exit because they're 1-for-12 with runners in scoring positions so far in this series and because starters Clayton Kershaw and Bobby Miller have allowed nine runs while getting just six outs. Uh, we did get our first preseason look at likely NBA Rookie of the Year Victor Webinyama last night. 20 points, five boards in 19 minutes in a 122-121 Spurs loss to the Thunder, who had the number two pick from the 2022 draft on the court last night. Chet Holmgren, 21 points and nine boards after missing last season with an injury. And a little soccer news for you this morning. UEFA just awarding the 2028 men's Euros to the UK and Ireland. Italy and Turkey will host in 2032. Back to you guys. Andrew Bogus, thank you so much. Coming up, we've got more on the injury to Justin Jefferson. He's getting placed on the IR. Stay with us, Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, Defensive Player of the Week. There were some huge performances. I mean, who picked it? Pete, you did? Okay, Yes. how much recency bias? We were starting to learn. Yeah, we, we knew our Pete's old, tendencies. Our old person who picked them we knew his tendencies yes you can't go monday night football on a tuesday can you because it's too obvious because max crosby was awesome for the raiders last night he was good but he he didn't lead the team in tackles though he led them in tackles for a loss with four four tackles for a loss is a lot in one game i think he's gonna go with i have a i have a guess fred warner or tj watt Mm, greenlaw did a lot in that game too i i think he's gonna go with aiden hutchinson for the interception uh but i'm not sure Who'd you pick, Pete? Uh, Maggie was correct. T.J. Watt. There we go. He's on a track. The two sacks. I mean, without that defense, uh, they have no no chance in that game uh, against the Ravens. So I'm going T.J. Watt. I, I, like another, it. I had another potential one, and it was an all-encompassing uh, pick. It was the Saints' defense. 
Oh, just Total. shutting out Belichick. <laughs> shutting them out. So. I know. But T.J. Watt is my Yeah, guy. but, I mean, is that a function of the Saints defense or is that a function of the Patriots offense who scored three points the week before as right. well? That's the other question. But I So I picked uh, T.J. Watt in this case. I'll tell you what. The pure glee of just watching the Patriots struggle is oh, something yeah. that's just not going to get old for certain people. Really? Yes. You're still worried about the Patriots? Yes. And no, I'm not worried about them now. I mean, you're kind of always a little... But just watching them struggle after not only did they win so much, beat my team into a pulp year after year, but, you know, they were cutting corners. They were cheating. They were doing this and that, playing fast and loose with the Hmm. rules. And now for Belichick to get his, I respect the hell out of him, but this is fun. Really? Wow, that is mean. That is mean. It's super mean. They were mean to my team for a long, long time by beating them. The other part is watching uh, last night as the Raiders won that game against the Green Bay Packers Monday Night Football and Jacoby Myers, like, really having a good season considering didn't he miss a game and he still has, you know, a couple, three touchdowns, I believe, and has been a solid number two behind Devontae Adams. And to watch Patriot fans just lose it because they let Myers walk out the door for Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm also enjoying that. Uh, Yeah, that's the issue with the Patriots right there. Yeah, (laughs) Jacoby Myers was there. <laughs> uh, One of the issues. The Patriot, the amazing thing, the Patriots forget the town, the lack of talent, wide receiver. Just the fact that every single player on there is getting out physical every day. When did that ever happen to Bill Belichick's teams? They were never more talented than everyone, but they were always tougher. And now they're the opposite. So the big breaking news yeah. this morning is that Justin Jefferson is going to be headed towards the IR. So you got real life implications. I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy implications there as well. So overall, just sort of a big day here uh, for the Minnesota Vikings and a team that is really at a crossroads. It's just not looking like it did last year. They're not winning those close games. They don't have the same kind of fervor. So do you sell off some of the pieces and parts here and try to go in the full tank? Or do you try to scrap together and still win games? Well, listen, they, they, you know, they looked okay against the Chiefs. That's a good team that they, they lost to last One week. One score game, sure. Yeah, I, they're, they're going to trip into some wins. Because they, they're in the NFC North, who's not great. Look, they start here this week with Chicago, even without Justin Jefferson. I know Chicago looks, they look great on Thursday nights, but Chicago going to win on a Sunday. <laughs> I, I just think that they're, they're not in the position to tank. Everyone's saying, let's tank, let's tank, let's tank. They're just not there right now. And also, do we know that Caleb Williams wants to go to Minnesota? Well, Minnesota, I think, is better than going to Chicago. Minnesota, you have at least some history there of, you know, good quarterback, wide receiver play. You would have Justin Jefferson. I mean, you have an offensive-minded head coach. Do you want to go from USC to Minnesota? I mean, get to play inside. I'm okay with that. I'd go from I, USC to Minnesota. Well, if you okay, if you're Caleb Williams and you're saying, I don't want to go to certain teams, and what te- if it's not Minnesota and Chicago, what teams are you? I think he's gonna- talking about Chicago and Arizona. Arizona. I mean, yeah. I know I know the I Vikings he, have a bad yeah. postseason history. Obviously, they've got just as much of a malign history as the Bills and some others with some heartbreaking losses, but at least like I think you got I w- something cooking. Yeah, but Arizona at least it's warm and it's indoors and you could bring in your hopefully I guess you can't bring in your own coach. No, Jonathan Gannon has been not bad. And Minnesota though, you could pro they have a quarterback coach. Chicago, you could bring in your own coach. I think there's a lot to be I think there's a lot of football. Who's remaining. he bringing? He's not bringing Lincoln Riley. Why not? What's, what's Lincoln, Lincoln Riley? Riley? If I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm already done with this USC experiment. Like, you can't stop a college offense anywhere. Why not Lincoln Riley? You're about to go to the Big Ten. It's going to be 12 teams in the college football Definitely. playoff. Definitely. That Why, is when Lincoln Riley should leave. <laughs> he should leave right now so he doesn't have to play the Indianas yeah. of the world? No, so he doesn't have to play yeah. the B- Big Ohio Ten. Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah. I, I think Lincoln Riley wants no part of the Big Ten. 
I think that's one, part of the he left Oklahoma so he could get out of the SEC. I mean, Isn't that the rap that everyone said? But you're going to go to the, the you're going to go to the Chicago Bears, which just basically plays like a Big Ten team. Well, on the coldest the day, the ability of the year. to start over is valuable to coaches. They want you know they want to be the GM and do everything. I don't know. This is a silly conversation. The Vikings are too good to take. Sum it up. What did we learn last night about the Raiders? We'll tell you next. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio.